Good morning. It's so good to see everybody. I don't know what it, what about this trip just felt really long to me. I, I know I know Josh will point out the fact that it was longer. Thank you for that reality. It was about three days longer than the normal trip, but there was something more about it. The, this trip was was different. It was unique. Um, it's really amazing, and. Some of the things that the Lord did, I, I do want to share a little bit this morning about things that happened because they're significant. And, uh, you know, bef- before we do, let's, let's just pray. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We love you. I thank you, God, that you have gathered us here this morning, not only here, but all of those in Nigeria online watching us, that are with us, in unity with us in spirit. And Father, not only them, but all those others that you have led to this work, that you have led to ignition, all those in Kenya, all those in India, in Pakistan, Father, I thank you for hearts that are drawn to you. Because hearts that are drawn to you are drawn to each other. There's no human formation of that. It is simply done by you. What an extraordinary thought. (laughs) An extraordinary plan for you to build your bride and your kingdom. With all the technology and with all of the abilities of today, it's so easy to think that it's through those things that the church will be built. But Father, nothing is different today than it was thousands of years ago in terms of seeking you. It is still the same building your temple here, which is your bride, is still the same. You will do it. It's what Abraham and David and Moses and Noah and all of them in the hall of faith that that saw that city whose foundation was built by you. That building is not because of programs. That building is not because of a great marketing plan. Great location for a building. It's because your hands are throughout it. You are the divine builder and you build that which will last. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing. I give you my mouth. I give you my will. My heart is yours, Father, to do with what you will. 
Speak through me what you will. I just ask that none of it be me. If I get in the way, push me aside. Because my heart's desire is only to be used by you. A tool to be used by your hands. Lord, I love you desperately. I thank you for this family that I get to see their faces again this morning. They love you desperately. I thank you for our family back in Nigeria that we just spent a couple of weeks with. Their faces burned into my mind and my heart. They love you desperately. Because of those things, you have bound us together. So do your will this morning, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the first things... I noticed in going to Nigeria, if you have not been, which I know a lot of you here have, but many, many have not. If you have been and you were to go again right now, you'd be blown away. It's a different place. It is a very different work. It is literally... The effects of water when you apply pressure. Do you know what I mean by that? The Lord gave me a vision this morning during worship. I was asking him just kind of his bride, what he's doing. Right? In, in the bride being tested. And really in a shrinking mode. The bride really is. Because the line has been, and we've been talking about this for probably two years now. The line has been drawn for the bride to choose. To choose to solely give their hearts to God. Or to hold back for themselves. There are consequences for either choice. But the choice now is being forced. I find that very interesting. Because most of my life growing up, it honestly wasn't that hard to hide as a Christian. It really wasn't. You do a couple of good things, you hide the bad things. You move forward with people that say they love God, but not too much because they will bring exposure. Right? You could hide. You could hide your sin. You see it coming out now. You see it even in preachers, that their true colors are beginning to show in the choices that they make, in the fear that encompasses them, in the compromise that really inhabits their pulpit. You see it. But this vision that he gave me was of a hose. Okay, if you if you know much about water and how water pressure works, <laughs> that was the thing that bugged me the most about Nigeria at the beginning, going there and turning on this beautiful shower and it just trickling out because there was no water pressure. 
But see, when the water pressure is there, then there is so much that can be done with it. Right? You know what the difference is between turning on your faucet, having a little bit of water pressure versus what comes from, say, a fire truck? I mean, huge difference, right? The difference is really two things. It's the pressure placed on that hose or on that faucet, and it's the size at which it goes through to come out. And this is what he showed me. There are two things happening right now in the kingdom of God as far as his bride goes. One, God is turning up the water pressure. He's putting the pressure higher to force choice. To force the recognition of who he is and what he wants to do through you. He's turning up that pressure. See, in my house, I have, we, we have a well, a well system. So we have a pump from the well. I can set the pressure of that well. Now, you set, and we set the same thing up in the compound before. And what we learned is you turn that pressure up a little too much and that system isn't able to handle it. All of a sudden, the plumbing just starts falling apart. <laughs> you can look in my bathroom and you will see this gaping hole in the wall where it has come apart probably four or five times now. And we keep repairing it. But it's because we didn't want to compromise on the pressure turning the pressure back down. Because what you want is that water pressure. You want that. That's the flow. That is what he gives you. That's what he's giving the bride. And so he's turning up that pressure to force choice. The other thing that he's doing, which is interesting to me, and this was part of the vision he gave me, is he's decreasing the number that will be pushed through. That's a tough thought. Let me give you an example of this vision. If you have a nozzle on the end of a hose, and you have on your hose, let's say you have 60 pounds of pressure on this hose. If you, if you open the nozzle up full, it just kind of flows, right? Just kind of flows out. Same amount of volume, but it flows out. Then you take that nozzle, and these are the old-fashioned kind of nozzles. Nowadays, they have the kind where you just choose different kinds. But the old-fashioned one where, where you start to tighten it down. Right? You tighten it down, and what it does, it closes that hole up to where the same volume and pressure of water is pushing through a smaller opening. What happens? It starts to come faster. Right? You know that. Everybody who waters their lawn understands that. It can be so much so that you can, through the pressure put on a hose or on a system, and through the opening that it allows water to go through, do you know water can come through in such heavy pressure that it will literally cut steel? Is that extraordinary? First time I saw that on a CDC machine where you're, you're thinking, you know, okay, I understand maybe a laser beam. I understand fire. 
I understand metal cutting. I understand all that. But water? Watch it. Look it on YouTube. It will blow you away. It's amazing. The amount of pressure that is on that system to bring that breakthrough of even steel. I've used this myself. I have a pressure washer at 3,600 PSI, which is pretty big for a pressure washer. Right? When I turn that on high and I use my smallest tip that is literally this small stream of water, if you put that on your hand, it'll cut your hand wide open. If I put it on my car, it'll rip the paint right off. Right? You don't want to do that. But see, I have this wall that I built out front with, with stone and concrete and, and because I was lazy, I didn't clean it as I would go. <laughs> and so I have concrete over all the stone and I figured out, I'll just get it later. So what I do is I crank up that water and it rips right through it like butter. It exposes the stone, even ripping up the concrete. Why? Because the pressure has been placed on that water and the access has been reduced. That's what God's doing to the bride right now. He is increasing the pressure of who he is, of his access, of what he is doing, and he's literally reducing the amount of people in his bride that will push through. That's an extraordinary thought. When we say times are changing, that's what we mean. Because it is time that this is necessary. It is time in the moving forward of what he's doing for this to be necessary. He's increasing the pressure. And he's making smaller that access. What an extraordinary thought. So the first time I walk in to the compound, it was really cool because, and most of you may have seen this on, on Facebook, but they greeted us all with this song, and it was, it was awesome. But let me tell you the most impactful first moment for me was that evening, probably... I want to say maybe an hour later, hour and a half later, when we walk into the dining hall that now has been expanded twice. <laughs> it literally ex goes through the whole front part of the building. And perhaps you've seen these pictures on Facebook. We, I walk in, and there's 25 to 30 people, you know, all in this area. Not all could even fit at the table or tables. I think there were three tables that rang. They had to build another one. And I'm seeing their faces. And I'm seeing the Nigerians and the Americans. And they're all, all intermingled. And they're laughing. We're sitting there at dinner. And they're, they're laughing. They're sharing. They're talking. Yes, just like America, there were a few that were just on their phones. <laughs> but they were engaged. Do you know how long that vision has been a part of my life? Almost since the first time I stepped 
onto Nigerian soil? Did I have visions of the two cultures coming together? It was something that we have tried to do. But now it has been done. What has come about there has been extraordinary. What God has opened up has been extraordinary. And the reason why you need to know this is because you're part of it. They're part of you. It's real easy for this church here to think that this is who we are right here. And yet, there's another portion that's actually bigger than what we are here by quite a bit. That God is working in just the same as what he's doing here. We're to be together. I want to encourage you to get to know more of what's going on in Nigeria because it is the work that he's doing through you. It's an extraordinary, extraordinary thing. But remember, the pressure is being turned up. And that access point is getting smaller. And there's only one way to be in that access. Only one way. In fact, the Lord had me write it down. And I'm going to explain it. It is faith. Big shock. (laughs) Big shocker. Right? Isn't it funny how the Lord has been talking about faith even last week when Bryn spoke, which was so awesome. It was about faith. The week before, about faith. Every week has been about faith. Why? Because it's the key. It is the key. If you want God right now, if you want relationship with Him, if you want intimacy with Him and to know His will for your life, you cannot do it without Faith, huh? There it is, yeah. And there were there were obviously people not in the picture there, but look at McKinley all the way at the end. She she's like the head of the table back there. What an extraordinary, extraordinary thing. Extraordinary time. But if you want his access, if you want to be a piece of that water movement that shoots through with this great velocity, it will only happen through faith. This is what he had me write down. Faith is the only currency that will purchase your relationship with God. That's going to sound really, really crazy if you don't know what it means. Well, wait a second. You mean purchasing my salvation? Wait, no, it's by grace. I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm not talking about your justification of sin. That was paid for. When you accept Jesus Christ as Savior, believe who He is and what He did and where He is right now. When you believe that and with your, with your mouth you receive Him into your heart as Savior, you are justified of your sin. It's done. You're sealed with the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, until you receive your inheritance, which is eternal life. That is what the world, or, or the bride, I suppose, calls salvation. 
That's actually not what the Bible calls salvation. The Bible calls salvation, and this is why it can be a little confusing. It is the entire relationship with Him. Breaks it down into justification of sin. Our sanctification, which is really what I call relationship with Him. And then our glorification, which is when we are with Him. So don't be confused when I say that faith purchases relationship with God. It does not purchase your salvation, your justification. Only your acceptance of that makes that happen. Because God did everything. Jesus paid everything on the cross. All you do is accept it and believe. But then the real work begins. The real work of building relationship with him. It isn't that we are to get saved and then muddle through life long enough to where then he finally takes us home and yay, we get to be with him. Boy, if that's the deal God made, that's a terrible deal for him. He doesn't even get the very reason why we were created in the first place, which was fellowship. It was relationship. It's what he had with Adam and Eve that was ripped from him in the Garden of Eden at the fall. That's what he created us for. That has never changed. That's what he wants now. And that's what he will have. He will have relationship. He just will not force it. So he will have it with those who will give it to him. You ever wonder why we look at people in the Bible and, okay, yeah, they, they seem a little different than me. They have, they have stronger access. Well, maybe, maybe it was just because, you know, they're kind of particular. God chose them. He gave them more. And, and you know, that just isn't me. My, my own lot is just kind of plug through life, do the best I can, and can't wait for eternity. That's not it. You know the difference? It's a laid down life. What does a laid down life mean? I would venture to say the bride, most of the bride has no clue what a laid down life is. Because the essence of a laid down life is when you take your choices and you give them to God. And you say, I choose to choose what you want. That's a laid down life. That's a life that is given over to God's will. That's what Jesus manifest in his life. The proof of that was the night before he was crucified in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Lord, if there's any other way, I don't want this. If there's any other way, but yet not my will, but yours. And see, the truth that we see is there was no other way. What Jesus had to go through had to be gone through to pay for the egregious sin of turning our backs on God. But see, it purchased something more than our hope for life. 
It purchased opportunity. It purchased opportunity to have relationship with him. You know, one of those guys who had this relationship with God that we look at and we just say, I, I just want that. I just want that. Was Moses. Think about it. Think about how his life started. And then he grew up. I mean, in, in that day and age, you couldn't grow up <laughs> any more privileged. I mean, literally growing up in Pharaoh's household. Right? He was privileged. He had everything. And yet there was something missing in his life. So to find it, I guess he figured he'd kill somebody. Kidding. <laughs> but what happened was God started to say, okay, it's time. It's time you recognize who you are. It's time for you to go into the wilderness so I can teach you who you are. And that's what he did. He taught Moses who he was. And Moses, you know the story. I won't go through the whole story in, in, in getting the children of Israel out of Egypt and, and all of that stuff his whole life. I mean, not a young man. Called when he was 80. That's awesome, man. I had 30 years on him. Right? But what he developed with the Lord was so intimate, so close, that God was able to take that valve on that hose and crank it down with him to where the pressure coming through that spout was so pointed, so directional, so powerful that it cut. It cut. You know, I want you to turn to Exodus. Exodus chapter 33, and this is real simple, we all know this, but I want it to sink in. We'll start at uh, 33 verse 9. When Moses entered the tent, this is the tent of meeting, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. And this is the verse I want you to get. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. What an extraordinary statement. I mean, think about all that was going on at that time. They're moving around. They're setting up the tabernacle. Tearing it down, moving, setting it up. And this tent of meeting was literally the tent where God would meet with Moses. And something I noticed this morning when he showed this to me. You want to learn? You want to see the things of God that maybe you can't somehow see on your own? 
then be with people where you see the Spirit of God heavy on their lives. Because they're going to be a guide for you. They're going to be a warrior for you. And that's literally what Moses was for Joshua. And we all know what Joshua did. Joshua literally took over for Moses. And he was the one who went in and conquered the promised land. But read this next verse. When Moses turned again into the camp, okay, in other words, Moses is leaving the tent of meeting. He's talked with God face to face as his friend. And he turns and he walks away, and then he looks back. And his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. I've never noticed that before. You want to know why God used Joshua the way he did? It's because of these moments where Joshua decided, I will not leave. I want to be with you. Not Moses. Moses was leaving. So Joshua wasn't there to follow Moses. Joshua was there to follow God. To know God. He was hungry for knowing Him. And he knew. He knew that relationship was possible because he saw it. He saw it with Moses. It wasn't a hidden thing. Even back then. God talking with Moses face to face was not a hidden thing. You see it later on. When the priests rise up, even Aaron and Miriam rise up and say, well, well, you know, we hear from God too. So, so maybe you should listen to us. We hear from God too. And that irritated the Lord. I mean, read it. I, I won't get into it this morning. Go read it. It's really quite amazing. God made it very clear. Yes, you hear from me. But with him, being Moses, with him it's different. With him it's different. With him, he is my friend. He and I talk like we are friends. What an extraordinary thought. Man, I've been saved now. For 48 years. Saved for 48 years. And it took me the majority of those until just seven years ago or so to recognize the fact, well, probably eight years ago or so, to recognize the fact that I can have that relationship with the Lord just like Moses that he was not simply called for that relationship, and that's why he got to do it. It was open for me. It was available for me. But there's a cost. See, that cost is everything. Everything Moses did was at the direction of the Lord. He sought the Lord on everything. And his faith was such that he believed in that voice. Because that voice confirmed that it was him, God, meaning God, over and over and over again in Moses' life. 
Even the outcome of what was going on was proof in Moses' life that he was hearing from the Lord. Because, see, there is a difference between his kingdom and this kingdom. This kingdom that we know of as flesh. There is a difference. If there wasn't a difference, then that communication would be easy. But there's a requirement for that communication. It's faith. Faith that literally will enhance that communication. When I learned that was possible eight years ago, I became so hungry for it. It wasn't that I all of a sudden fell in love with God. I have been in love with God my whole life. When I was five, all I wanted to do was be a preacher. I had my dad make me this little pulpit thing, and I used to preach to my grandma and my dog. (laughs) Neither one could run away. (laughs) So it wasn't about me loving God. I've loved God my whole life. It was recognizing the fact that I could have this relationship with Him. Not just salvation and then literally trying to just make it through this life, making wise decisions, praying for some wisdom. But I could build relationship with Him that I could literally sit and ask Him. I could talk with Him. Some of the sweetest times we have had is when I, it's, it's just me sitting there talking with him over coffee. Talking about nothing. Talking about how much I love him. Talking about his plans beyond this life. You want to get God excited in your conversation with him? Let him tell you about that. Let him tell you about his plans for you and your life with him. Because he will. He'll tell you about it. Because see, his desire is what Moses was, is the desire he has with every single one of you. Everyone. He opens that up to each person who knows his son as Savior. That's the door. That's the key. That's the key that Jesus talks about in Revelation 3. The door that he opens, no one can shut. It's that understanding of relationship with the Father. Nobody can close that door. You can refuse to walk through the door. But Jesus will never close the door because he's the one that purchased it. He's the one that paid the price for it. He paid the price for that relationship. But it is faith. It is faith that will take you through that door. It is faith that once you're through that door, that you even begin to walk in His will. We've been saying for years, these are extraordinary times. Different times. I'm 57 years old. We have never been in times like we are right now in the Spirit, ever, ever. For the longest time, you could move through the Christian life and hide. 
We've all seen it. We've all known it. But those times have come to an end. Those times are not any longer. The bride is to wake up. You know, I want, I want to, he took me a few places this morning. I want to read this one in Isaiah chapter 60. Because this is what he's calling forth his bride to do. Isaiah verse 60, or chapter 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. So many preachers stop right there. Arise, shine, it's all good, and yay, God. You know what? Let's move on to the next verse, and let's see what's really going on. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, or the peoples of the earth. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. See, the bride has no choice now. She's going to either allow that pressure to be turned up. Or she's going to be inconsequential. The choice is yours. The choice is nobody else's. It is only us that can decide how we will pursue our relationship with the Lord. He'll never force it, because that's not real relationship. That's slavery. You're not slaves. You choose. You choose to give your control. That's why he said, we are no longer slavery to sin. So why are we in sin? We don't have to be because we can give that to the Lord. We can have freedom in him. So what is coming about now is this light coming through us, through those who would have relationship with him to be seen. Because as it gets darker out there, and trust me, I know it's getting bad. This is a drop in the bucket compared to what's coming. It's a drop in the bucket, guys. If you think we're almost at the end of this darkness, you're wrong. It's barely begun. It will get so dark. Why? Because in darkness, light is seen more brilliantly. The light that God works in your life in relationship with him is to be seen throughout the world. It is not that Satan is winning because this darkness is not coming from Satan. The darkness that is coming is a result of God's justice working in this world, his justice working in his bride. But the purpose is for those in relationship with him to be seen. Not to lift them up, but literally to show 
that God offers it to everybody who is his bride. Everyone. That's what he wants out of this. He wants friendship. You want know, to talk about friendship? Look in John 15, and it, it, we won't turn there, but, but I want to encourage you. Look at John 15. Jesus talks about what it takes to be his friend. Talks about obedience. And that obedience is about connection with him. It's, a, it's about giving him everything. You know, there were several things, as I said, that happened when we were in Nigeria, but there was one thing that was hugely significant. We have a, it's a little unclear to me, because at one point we thought it was 12 acres, then we thought it was 10 acres, some point we thought it was eight and a half acres. I'm really not positive. It's just pretty big. I do know that. And I do know we walked the boundaries. So whatever it is, it's that piece of property. Two years ago, we had a ceremony. And there were many of us there. Tewase, who's the chief of staff, was there. We had communion together. We prayed over the, props, uh, over the property Prophecy was given ecstatically. The Lord came and spoke ecstatically over that land. And he said something really extraordinary. That if you don't really pay attention, can be missed very easily. He said, a portion of my glory will rest on this land. Think about what that really means. First of all, if you, if you don't know what his glory is, I, I really want to encourage you to search out what the Bible says about Shekinah glory. It's literally the glory that descended. It's, it's, it's what we read with Moses in the tent of meeting. Right? It was that pillar of fire. But his glory is what descended upon the temple and was in the Holy of Holies and rested there. What an extraordinary thing. Now, there was a point in the second temple where it was no more. It was lifted and gone. He pulled his power, he pulled his glory away. But that is what he was saying about this piece of land. A portion of my glory will rest here. That was two years ago. I was really excited thinking, perhaps by the time we leave, two years ago, right? And coming up to this time, we have been working for two years to finalize this land. We had all of the legal ramifications finished two years ago. All the legal things were done. But yet, we could not move on to the land. One, we didn't even have, honestly, we didn't have the resources at that time to do anything with the land. But it was more than that. It was literally the community receiving us. So this time, you know, we're, this trip, one of the big thing, biggest things we were supposed to do was go and do um, an actual groundbreaking of the land, this brown, groundbreaking ceremony. And we hit resistance after resistance after resistance. 
In fact, uh, I want to say a couple days before we got there, Michael's, Michael goes out, or no, maybe he sent Tefa. I can't remember. Somebody went out to the land, or maybe it was both of them, because um, they were assessing. It was Tefa. Okay, yeah, they were assessing what was going on. And, and the guy who actually owns the land um, historically, uh, through whatever, heredity or whatever, um, he's there and he, he has some crops there and stuff. And, and he basically said, if you come back, I will meet you with machetes. Alrighty then. <laughs> you know, to show him a paper saying, uh, no, excuse me, we own this. This is our deed. We literally have a signed deed from the government. The governor, I've met with him so many times. It is all done here, here. He would have taken a machete and just cut it right in half. It wouldn't have mattered to him. Right? It does not matter to him. There were things in the way. And so so we start working on that. We talk to the governor and we talk to Taylor and we talk to all these things and, and God begins to move. And what was it? Was it Wednesday or Thursday? Wednesday. Wednesday. Wednesday we finally have this go-ahead where we're going to literally meet out there. We're going to meet all the village, all the people of the village there. All the it, it's the Tamakurdi, which is the 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 local king of that entire area. Who he is the only one he is under is the Tortiv. And the the government sent many officials. We we're doing this the next day, so we go there the next day, and we're and we bring them a gift. We bring them a gift of a cow, which that's a new one for me. Never gifted a cow before. It was kind of cool. That cow was big too. It had big horns. I thought, no, I'll see it from a distance. Thank you. But we went there, and it was extraordinary because. Although there was the hesitancy because they don't know us, we were able to talk and work through the things that were different. And so they allowed us to go on the land and to do this ceremony. And so when we did, we, there were five of us that, that had shovels, and we broke the ground, and I, I, I spoke and I prayed. I didn't really speak. I declared and I prayed. And the moment I started to speak, it started to rain. That may not seem like a big deal, but it was a huge deal because it hadn't rained for three days. And this is the height of rainy season where it rains every day. It hadn't rained for three days. And the moment that I began to speak, it started to rain. You know, the extraordinary thing is those villagers in particular the one who owned the land, saw that as a sign from God that, that us being there had his blessing. I mean, I didn't know that. I, I'm just thinking in my mind, we've got to get through this because it's about to pour on us, so we need to be in the car. <laughs> you know, I mean, welcome to Western thinking. 101. That's not what was going on in their mind. In their mind, what was going on is God wants them here. So we say yes. So later that night, I was asking the Lord. We went before the Lord, and and I was asking him the significance of 
that day, the significance of what was going on there. And I, I want to share a, a, just a question and answer that the Lord gave. I said, Father, the first thing I would like to open up with is this. And this was asking him. I said, you, I said, can you share with us the significance or at least a portion of it that you want to share with us about what happened today on the land? And the father said this, the land has only begun to open. I will open the land wide in my kingdom. I will pull apart the kingdom of darkness and it will open its face wide to my kingdom. An invasion is coming for Satan, a mounting army that he cannot defer or stop. Now his retreat is truly beginning. Yes, I will do everything I have said. I have said it. I will do it. Then I want to read another thing that he said. This was extraordinary to me. Something that you, you may not know. Um, as the court team, when we go before the Lord, he, he takes us into a very precious room of his. We call it the ready room, but that, I don't know what it's actually called. I'm sure there's a better name. But it's, it's a very precious place. And, and literally, we, we see in the spirit these walking through these doors and everything else. And for the last, I don't even know, a couple of weeks, right? Two weeks maybe, it, it was closed. Whenever we would try, we, the doors were closed. We could not get through. And, and Shannon was given a vision. And the vision didn't fully make sense at the time, except that the Lord did take us through a process of figuring it out. The, the vision was that she saw these closed doors, which we knew was this room, and then she saw a vision of land with two mountains in the background. And then she saw, right after that, a third vision of the doors being opened. And so all I could think in my mind is, okay, there's something that has to happen with the land because you're trying to get our attention. But I didn't understand the mountains because the land is pretty flat where we are. And, and I won't get into all that. The mountains actually did represent something. It was about the land that we did that day because it did open back up again. And, and the extraordinary thing is... I asked him about that. I asked him about that vision and the access being held back. Although recognize this, in that format, he never held back his, his presence with us personally. He never held back his voice to us personally. I, I can tell you, if anything, it increased. But he said this to me, I will never cease to give you instruction, but your faith must increase. That was sobering for me. That was sobering for me because I know I have a lot of faith. I know this church has a lot of faith. But it goes back to what I said at the beginning. There is no allowance for plateau in faith. 
You can't increase your faith long enough to where you feel comfortable at the level that you're at, so I'll just ride this comfort. Because, see, then that level of faith actually starts to fall off. Because faith without the increase of faith ends up being the loss of faith. Do you understand? He wants our faith. He wants it to increase. He wants it through the hunger of what we're doing. What he wants us to do. The faith is what's required. And faith is what will literally wake up the bride. We talked about in that last set of verses in Isaiah 60 about being the light. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to end with this. But when anything, this verse 13, Ephesians 5 verse 13, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper. Arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Verse 15. Look carefully then how you will walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's a heavy thought, guys. Because I'll tell you one thing. If you're not pressed into him, if you're not seeking him, as he says, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you're not seeking him, you will miss his will. You'll, You'll miss it. Because we take on ourselves this wisdom of man. Well, it's always worked this way, so that's kind of how I do it. That's wisdom of man. What happens if the parameters change? (laughs) Well, it's always worked this way, but then the parameters change. It doesn't work that way anymore. You have to be pressed into the Lord. For him to guide your steps, what his will is. Not what our desires dictate his will to be. Huge difference. If you start putting your desires in there, you are already going down a very difficult road. Because then you can easily come up with things that sound good, Well, there isn't anything wrong with that. But we're in a day and age that when you are exposed to his will and you are exposed to the choice of choosing his will and you don't, there will be a price that you pay for that. But when you do, recognize what's available to you. That relationship that can be built to where you can sit 
with the Father, with Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, and talk with him as a friend. What an extraordinary thought. What an extraordinary God. That's what he wants because he is now, we're at a time where he is coming to claim what is his. That's the whole reason for the days of darkness. Days of, recognize, search it in the Bible, the days of darkness are not from Satan. It is God's day. And it is to reclaim the relationship that was lost in the garden. Not with just a few, but with his bride. To literally make ready his bride. Like Simona. That is what he wants from us. That is what he will do with us if we simply say yes to him in everything that we do. There's so much in today's message. Um, I was sharing a little bit with the ladies for the class this morning just about um, the stretching of our faith. And I will say that in these coming days, you know, sometimes when you hear these ominous statements that that Greg makes, which really is, is what the Lord is saying, and it is certainly is not just ignition. There's people all over. The Holy Spirit will always say the same thing to people who are seeking him because it is the Spirit of God. But when you hear these ominous statements about that, that it's a drop in the bucket what we're experiencing now compared to what will come, and the stretching of our faith and the Lord asking us to believe for things that um, will keep us strong and the remnant really being hidden in the secret place and protected as Psalm 91 promises, um, those things in the difficult time to come, the times that are coming, really become the, the sum total of all the little things that we do every single day to trust him. You're not just bracing yourself for a strength that you'll have when the pressure gets that much more intense. It will automatically be there when every single day your choice is to trust him. Uh, it was interesting last week in Bryn's message, which I hope you all got to hear online. Um, I've listened to it a couple of times. And one of the things that she said that was very significant, because you do hear us often use the words press into the Lord and you know seek him, and and she said that it's not just a pressing in as a something different than what should be all the time. She said, I live in a perpetual place of pressing in. That is what abiding is. It's that you're staying in this place that you are in lockstep with the Father's heart. You're, you're, you're in sync with him. You are constantly dependent in him, on him and, and hearing him and with him. And that is what develops the strength of faith for the hard times. If right now you aren't trusting him for some of the small things, then you'll find that when the pressure gets more intense, you'll have a harder time. And I know for my own, every trip that I take to Nigeria is um, challenges me in one way or another. But one of the things that the Lord um, does in stretching me is Asking that I trust him when I really see no way around 
what I'm experiencing in the human realm in, in my capacity. When your sleep is broken up, and it wasn't just broken up because of the time difference and the travel of the two and a half days and all the stuff that you go through, it was the additional meetings here in the U.S. that we had through technology with that time difference that one of them ended at 5 a.m. our time there, and you know, and yet you're getting up in just a couple of hours to deal with things on the compound, and it takes a toll. It just takes a toll, and and this constant battle of wanting to say, Lord, I can't, but trusting Him to equip me. It's, it's like he was constantly reminding me, will my voice, my leading, my power in you, will that be what you seek first? Or will you fit my voice and my leading into what you believe is your capacity to obey me? And, and I, I thought, wow, I guess I do that sometimes, don't I? I guess I do kind of say, well, this is what I can handle, Lord, so now what would you like me to do? It's, it's like, I'll listen to you as long as it fits within what I believe is what I'm equipped to do. And, and it seems like a little paradigm shift, and yet it is everything. It is literally the difference between fully doing what God wants and being way off course and, and rejecting his entire plan for you. So he was teaching me every day, if you can't trust me, when you feel like your body is breaking down and falling apart and you've had no sleep and you don't feel sane, if you can't trust me for these pressures and these things, if you can't trust me to sustain you, how will you trust me in some of the visions that I've given you, which I won't mention now, but they're pretty intense, things that I've seen, that I'm in the midst of, that I have no idea what, how I would react. You know, these were nothing compared to some of the things he's shown me. And he's like, it starts here. It starts with trusting me. And I wrestle sometimes with him and go back and forth and say, well, Lord, am I stewarding this right? Am I, you know, am I handling this right? And and you know how sometimes um, some people can handle being exhausted and just kind of press through it. Other people, when they get exhausted, it just, their world kind of stops. And everybody has their their threshold, um, you know, of, of difficulty and, and place where they get where they're just like, I'm at my end. But the Lord just kept reminding me, good, if you're at your end, this is where I get to show my glory. When, when you're at the end, you're going to see me greater than you could see me if I fit within your capacity. I'm not just your helper. I'm your absolutely everything. How... How I did things, how I was able to think clearly and speak into situations that were really important when I had what I felt was no brain power at all, was 100% God. And don't we really want God to be 100% in our lives? That doesn't mean he's going to drive us totally you know, to these extreme circumstances all the time. But it takes that sometimes for us to be in that place of dependency. And so I don't think there's a one of us either in this room or online listening or maybe on the podcast listening, that isn't probably being stretched in some way in your life right now in faith. I'm telling you, seek the Lord and begin to trust him in even the smallest areas. Don't shrink back when you hear him prompt you. Don't let your first reaction be, oh, well, yeah, I'm feeling compelled to do that, but you know what, that just doesn't work today. 
That just isn't, that's just not really, that's just not going to fit. You know, if, if that's what you're saying, and, and Greg shared that story a few weeks ago, maybe now a couple of months ago, of where he, he heard the Lord say just randomly to drive to Baltimore and look for a man that he was going to put in his path. And it was so inconvenient that he just immediately legitimized that his, it was just his brain. But yet the Lord was testing him. You know my voice. You know my voice. This isn't just your mind. And he learned a hard lesson that day because he let the logistics, the circumstances, the I don't have time. I mean, I could make time, but you know, it's probably, uh, you know, you just kind of justify away. And he missed out. And later the Lord really confirmed that was, he said, it's okay. Just listen in the future. He said, I sent somebody else because you didn't go. But we don't want to miss anything that he says. And that's what he's doing right now with the bride. He's stretching us to hear him and then listen. And in that hearing, it isn't just a listen and obey. It's a beautiful exchange to just, um, to just hear his voice. I, I, got, I had a beautiful time with him a couple of mornings before we left, just getting ready. And, um, and I, again, I'm, I shared the details in Nigeria, and perhaps I'll share it later, but he, he gave me just a, he spoke over me and gave me a sweet compliment about something he had given me. And he said, I love, I love this about you. And I, it just completely wrecked me. I just, to get a compliment from the God of the universe, from my creator, I, I was just, it really just, it melted my heart. And I thought, I needed to hear that today, Lord. I just needed that. You know, if you ever, girls, maybe girls can relate to this. But sometimes we just need to hear something good about ourselves, that we're just loved or that something about us is, is appreciated. And to be appreciated by God, it was just such a, a wonderful, even my, my dear husband, whose compliments are greatly valued to me, he couldn't have come close to that one. <laughs> this one was just awesome. And, and I needed that, you know, and, and don't hesitate to reach out and say, Lord, I just, remind me of your love for me. Remind me who I am, who you are to me. Those, that kind of communication, it's so much more than just, let me hear you, God, so I can do and obey. It's so much more than that. And yet, the obedience is important, too. So, um, I, just, um, I just encourage you. Sometimes these messages, when the Holy Spirit is telling you something, you can't really retain it all. Listen to it again. Go back, listen to the podcast. And write, from, from this moment forward, ask the Lord to help you be present with him in every step and, and trust him for the small things. Because there really isn't a difference. If you trust him for the smallest thing, those will build into what you'll need to have the faith for. When certain things hit you like a bulldozer, because it's going to hit all of us. But we'll be ready, having done all to stand when we stand in him and and apply all of his armor. Praise him for his faithfulness. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for this message today. And just your Holy Spirit that um, we can count on just speaking when you place us in um, a position of sharing your word. Thank you that that Greg heard you today and and you were able to just flow from him and give us this word today. Lord, we just love you and praise you, God. And I just pray that you would help us to 
As you say in Revelation, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. God, we want to hear what you are saying by your Holy Spirit for the fellowship, for the relationship, but also for the direction, for the guidance, for the wisdom, for the revelation. God, for for our life to be um, connected more closely with you, um, that we would know you more and have your mind, God. And, and I just thank you that you even gave us that kind of access to you, Lord, as we... As we um, had a, our covenant time of communion earlier this morning, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you paid for to give us this access to you. I just pray that you would strengthen our faith. And I know that's a difficult prayer sometimes because to strengthen our faith means we have to live outside of our human reasoning because faith and logic are not friends. Faith will always challenge our own mental human understanding. But that faith is what pleases you, God. So just help us. Help us to know how loved we are by you, God, because that trust increases when we know your love. And I just praise you. I worship you. I thank you. Lord, for anyone here hearing my voice right now that is struggling to even be able to discern what is it like to hear the voice of God, Lord, we know that while you do sometimes speak audibly to our human ears, it is our spirit ears that listen. So God, I pray that you would unlock that revelation, that understanding, that hearing your voice is, is internal. And once that opens up, it is just a beautiful flow of communication. So I just pray that over everyone, Lord, who is seeking to discern and be able to hear you more, God that they would um, really step into what is available and what you, Jesus, paid for on the cross. I just love you and I thank you. Take this word and don't let it return void, God, in lives uh, as they hear it. And we just give you all the praise and all the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen.